You know what time it is. It's about that time. What's up, everybody? Brian Tong here. Welcome to the Apple Bits XL podcast for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. You know, I might start calling it Apple Bites. I know, I'm just saying. Maybe we'll get there. But thank you so much for listening. We're at episode 15. Thank you to everyone who has supported this show on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Brian Tong. We'll get to all those details later in the show. But this show is also yours, and I encourage you to call in 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. I keep on saying this show is yours just as much as it is mine. We had one call this week. Look, I set up the hotline. Take advantage of it. Even if your call is horrible, I won't play it, but at least I'll listen to it. And it really just adds so much texture to the show. So take advantage of it. Call in. Talk. Let's do it, okay? All right. Let's get into the show, and we kick things off with iPhone SE 2 stories. Now, a couple reports have suggested that everyone's favorite phone that some people buy, or it has become one of those products that everyone loves, but not everyone has. The iPhone SE, it's like that retro thing. It's like, I love the original iMac. I love the G4 Cube. Well, no one bought the G4 Cube. I literally have a G4 Cube in pristine condition, and it is amazing. It was SJ's favorite computer. I've got great stories about that, where he came to the Apple store. I mean, this was a a product that was no longer supported by Apple. He brought in his Power Mac G4 Cube, his baby, into the Palo Alto Apple store when we worked there and told the techs to fix this. And it's SJ. So what are you going to do? You're going to do whatever it takes to fix his G4 Cube, and they did, but it it was an amazing story and it was really fun because this is a, fo- a product that at the time probably hadn't been hadn't been supported by Apple, at least from a repair standpoint, for at least, man, when was this? At least three or four or five years. And all of a sudden it's like shows up on an Apple store and it's like, hey, SJ wants this fixed. Make it happen. That's amazing. Anyways, the iPhone SE2, so much love for this product. It just really reminds me of kind of that same love for the G4 Cube. Now, the latest news, it comes from a couple of sources, but it might be bad news for fans of the SE2 because a new rumor report is saying that the phone has been scrapped for this year. It started with Forbes' Gordon Kelly reporting his sources at the casemaker Olixer that wrote over the weekend that, really, the second-generation 4-inch phone iPhone form factor has been canceled. He also said his own sources at third-party case manufacturers reported that this year's rumored fall lineup will just only and only be the three phones we've talked about. The 5.8-inch OLED iPhone 10 successor, the 6.1-inch LCD-based iPhone, that'll kind of be their mid-range tier, and we talked about it last week. They're ramping up on those orders because it most likely looks to potentially be their top seller for 2018 and the high-end iPhone 10 plus 6.5 inch OLED base screen. So those are the three. There is no mention anymore of the iPhone SE2 being part of this lineup. Now, fine, Forbes has their own sources, but what's another reason why maybe this has a little more credibility right now at this moment? Alixer, 
or Olixir, A-O-L-I-X-A-R, is a case company. They make cases for all the phones, and they tend to have been able to get the early schematics and designs of the phones. And so they're the ones that actually initially released these renderings and schematics for the iPhone SE 2. They're the ones that really started kind of the rumors of, hey, these parts are out. They're coming. They're here. So we're going to see an iPhone SE 2 this year. Now, all of a sudden, they said, no, we're not going to see it. So there's some of the credibility that might be there to support this report. We'll have to wait and see. We saw a lineup of phones that showed the components and the schematics. But again, right now at this moment, potentially, the iPhone SE 2 has been scrapped. It's probably not what a lot of people want to hear, but it's where we're at right now. Apple also released the second betas of iOS 12, watchOS 5, macOS 10.14, macOS Mojave. You know how to say it the right way. You got to let it roll a little. Mojave. Trust me, we've got some stuff cooking for that. But iOS 12 has kind of revamped a few things. They've kind of changed some of the graphics and um, wordage used for something like the battery usage on screen time. They're also kind of give you an option to look at all of your device's screen time at once, which wasn't the case. Uh, We know about like adding limits for screen time as well. Just kind of a little few tweaks here and there. Even things like if you use iPhone apps on the iPad, when you open them, say for something like, for for example, something like Instagram, they're going to be displayed in the modern device size. So you'll have the 1X and 2X mode, but in the iPhone 6 form factor size, not not the earlier, um, before it was kind of some of the earlier legacy aspect ratio and screen size that they're using. Um, Things like the wither widget, not functional. Netflix might unexpectedly quit when you're downloading a video. Twitter might display a blank login screen. This is why you don't put a beta on your primary phone. I can't stand it when people are like, oh, I can't believe I put the beta on. It's not acting the same. It's because it's a beta, bro. It's a beta. How hard is that? Come on, man. So if there's any lesson or knowledge that I can impart to you today is only run a beta if you have a second phone. And yeah, there are ways to revert back to the earlier OS. I know some people just can't stand it, can't take it. They got to have the goods. Fine. But it is a pain in the butt to go back. Just make sure you back up your phone before you run the beta and back up your phone after you run the beta. I like to back it up physically to a computer because that's important to me. Uh, Watch OS 5. WatchOS 5 Beta 2, that's really cool because they are now introducing, before it said it was coming soon, but walkie-talkie. Walkie-talkie. Walkie-like-a-talkie. That feature is kind of one of those really killer fun features that I can't wait to use on the Apple Watch. Now I just got to find people that I actually talk to that own an Apple Watch. Uh, I guess... If you want, if you want to try walkie-talkie with me, we can we can set something up. But that is out on the beta. Uh, one thing that I've forgotten and skipped over is that iPhones on iOS 12. This was just announced recently, earlier this week. Apple says starting later this year, 
specifically with iOS 12, iPhones will automatically share your precise location data with first responders during 911 calls. This is in the US. It's going to help reduce emergency response times. This is a great this is a great thing. Yes, that gets a good apple. That's a good apple. I, I love this because it's gonna help first responders more than anything else. And it's gonna help you out if you hurt yourself. So very, very good on that. All right, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show. It is you. Thank you so much for everyone. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. You can support the show starting at $1 a month, $5 a month, which is a cup of coffee. Uh, we do this every week. You can go up to $10, $25, even $100. We are just now over two-thirds to our final goal to make sure and guarantee this is a weekly show, basically till the end of time. That That's kind of amazing. But thank you so much for your support and helping me do this and allow me to kind of build up and get my video stuff out. It's it's really amazing, and I can't thank you enough. So patreon.com slash Tong. that is the way to support this show. All right, I bet you didn't think we'd talk about the HomePod this week. Oh, yes, we do. Oh, yes, we are. The HomePod now available to order in Canada, France, and Germany. Now, that is 449 in Canadians. Uh, so just just put down for that. Also, if in case you didn't know, Apple recently pushed out this software update before they made these available to those three countries that enables Siri to speak in French, German, and Canadian English. It's a boot time, eh? Apple's website notes that support for Canadian French is coming later this year. This is part of the software update paired with 11.4. And I've got nothing but love for Canada. I've spent time there. The food is great. Um, and I'm a big fan of pure maple syrup. And so I have to thank you for that. It, look at, I mean, it is a leading export from O Canada. Also, uh, in HomePod news, I thought this was kind of fun. You know, recently, IHS Market conducted a new survey uh, covering March and April of this year. And they asked 937 smart speaker owners different questions about the usage of their devices. So this is spread across the United States, the United Kingdom, Japan, Germany, and Brazil. Now, according to their findings, get this, only 6% of smart speaker owners use their speakers to command smart home devices like lights, switches, and thermostats. Only 6%. I am one of those 6%. But it, you know, it doesn't surprise me because when I first got my Echo, I was like, oh, this is cool. Okay, it's it's kind of neat. But it only really unlocked its potential when I started getting lights. And it became kind of like this gateway drug. You get, you're like, oh, I'll get lights for my living room. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll get lights for my hallway. And then you're like, oh, I'll get lights for my kitchen and this room. And it, yeah, it becomes... It's a gateway drug, but then, right, I got a Logitech Harmony remote that I can control all my TV inputs, and I have a Nest thermostat, and it is really awesome. It it, it does actually enhance your life, and yeah, it does cost money, but I, I got that all set up a long time ago, and it just really changed how I do things for the better. Now, in this survey, they also revealed a lot of interesting things that the Amazon 
echo, or I'm not going to say the voice thing to set it off. The A, Lixer, was the most widely used voice assistant. They revealed that by a margin of 5% over the Google Home. Now, they also revealed that 40% of respondents own an Amazon Echo device, while 23% own a Google Home device. Additionally, 20% of people reported owning both an Echo and Google Home device. I also fit into that group. And they said that the HomePod came in third, but they were not willing to, they didn't actually outright give a percentage number. There's some nice charts that show this, but for all we know, and based on other reports, the HomePod makes up easily less than 5% of the market. I think it was hanging out, I think on pre-orders initially of the HomePod that month, they bumped up to somewhere around 10%, but then after that, it was around 3%. So let's be nice, find a number in the middle, Let's call it roughly 5% right now, around 5%. Globally, there's more than 900 smart home device makers offering about 4,100 or 4,100 connected devices. We talked about the Amazon TV uh, Cube last week that I'm excited to get my hands on. We'll do a full review. We probably won't feature it here, but you can check out my videos for that. It's gonna be really cool, but Just some interesting things. 6% of people don't even use their speakers for any smart home. That is the power of that device to me. So good on it. A lot of of room for this category to grow, quite honestly. And sometimes being in the tech bubble, you realize that, yeah, outside of there is the real world. (laughs) There's a real world going on out there. We also talked about content from Apple. Apple is now also teaming up with Sesame street for the sesame workshop of doing kids programming on their apple tv this is the multi-series order called sesame workshop i find this interesting because now we're starting to see a well-rounded variety of content that apple is offering for apple tv what also makes it more interesting to me is that okay they have stuff from oprah they have comedies uh, they have you know action series they have sports docs uh, from kevin durant But what I find more interesting is that this content, like really good content, premium content is valuable, especially if it has a long shelf life. And so if Apple is the exclusive owner of this, not only can they use to drive people to come to their service, hopefully, I don't really know if I'm going to subscribe to yet because everything I've heard show-wise still isn't compelling. Just because KD is on my Warriors and is going to do a documentary style drama show of life coming up in the ranks of basketball doesn't mean I'm going to put down 10 bucks for the Apple service. I I have, I need more value personally, but Apple can then potentially really, you know, maybe license these shows to networks after so many episodes, you know, they could get long-term revenue streams from this. So it's a really interesting business model that they're doing. While Netflix is like, Hey, if we like it, we're going to do it. We're Netflix is throwing something around like five to $6 billion at content and programming. I don't know about you all, but it's kind of getting to the point where there's too much stuff on Netflix and they need to kind of, you know, ration it out or just at least roll it out a little, just give it a little more between show after show. But then again, I I don't know how much time do you guys actually spend on Netflix? I, I haven't in a while because I'm doing my hustle now, but it is kind of amazing how much they have there. Sesame Street doing kids programming. Very cool. Teaming up with Apple. If you want to talk about 
other team ups. Fortnite, have you guys has I've I I'm sorry. I finally got on the Fortnite train. I played it on my console. It's really fun. You can just jump right in. I actually did all right. So I did I wasn't the last I wasn't the first to die. I'm sorry. I wasn't the first to die. Battle Royale mode. But Fortnite has crossed the $100 million revenue threshold on iOS after just 90 days of availability. Remember, the Fortnite game really kind of revolutionizing how we are seeing and how we are hearing game console manufacturers talk about gaming, where one of their goals, and Microsoft's as well as they talked about in E3, is to bring console-level gaming like this to our handheld devices. We've heard about it for the longest time, but quite honestly, Fortnite was, in my mind, the first game to really do it. And you say, okay, fine, the controls are a little different, but this is a console-level game, arguably better graphics than than some platforms, but this is a console-level game in my pocket. And that's what we've always wanted. And we, I talked about it on my live YouTube Q&A. Someone asked about, PC gaming on the Mac now that the Mac is growing is is that their goal? I think I don't think gaming studios care about trying to build the Mac platform as a gaming platform. They care about iOS devices. And that's where they're going. Fortnite, 100 million dollars in 90 days on iOS. That's that's insane. Although Clash Royale, you know, from from a standpoint of games, was the fastest to launch the 100 to get to the 100 million dollar milestone on iOS doing that feed in just 51 days 51 days but Fortnite again a console game on a handheld that's just amazing so we have 100 million dollars in revenue sorry yeah 100 million dollars in revenue on uh, iOS what about 100,000 dollars of stolen goods this report coming out from WSB TV in Atlanta, Georgia. $100,000 worth of Apple products were stolen after a crew rappelled through a Best Buy roof, <laughs> burrowing into the storage room and stealing 100K worth of iPhones, iPads, Macs, and more. They did this straight up Mission Impossible style. I hope the dude or dudette, because we got to be, there's no, we can't be gender specific here. I hope whoever jumped in that building first and rappelled down had the whole issue where the rope got loose. They fell down real flat and then it tied in and they did that whole flat. They, they spread their body out, Tom Cruise style, Mission Impossible style. I hope that happened. I'm going to imagine that that happened. At this point, police haven't been able to locate the thieves. They're still working to, to obtain surveillance footage. But burglaries are getting way more intense. They just repelled into a Best Buy for iPhones, y'all. The the biggest uh, kind of, I guess, heist that I remember was during the iPhone 10. I don't know if you remember hearing about this, but the night before the iPhone 10 release, thieves stole $370,000 worth of iPhone 10 units right off a UPS truck right outside a San Francisco Apple store. That's bold. That is bold. All right, I told you we don't have any calls this week. Uh, we have one. I'll just kind of hold on to it, hopefully, so that we can do it with a series. Please be a part of the show. Call us at one 
833-888-ABXL. It supports international, so just one 833 abxl That's 2295. All right. Also, got to give shout out and love to my Platinum Apples. We added another one, so thank you so much. From the start, Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frader, Michael Bullock, and now Craig Hindle. Hindal, thank you so much for your support and everyone for all of your support from the $1 and up. Again, tell your friends about it. Five-star review this on iTunes. Uh, you, you guys and gals are just amazing. So there you have it. That's all we got for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.